And I'm basically like a monk. Like I'm like I'm a, I call I consider myself kind of a postmodern monk who lives in this little cave by the beach and I play jazz and I think deep thoughts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello and welcome to Here in LA. Venice edition. Yes, we've made it out of Hollywood. Today we talk to Matt Demerit, a man who has lived in a super unique apartment just one block from the boardwalk in Venice, and he's lived there for 20 years. He's a jazz musician, a Buddhist, and a very deep thinker. In fact, this, this one is going to be mellow. So if you're driving, you know, keep your eyes on the road. Because you're going to be tempted to just close your eyes and just melt into me and Matt's sexy voice. We talk about music, of course, homelessness, Google and Snapchat in Venice, and he even plays a little tune for us from his CD, Fool's Journey. So please, step into the dark, wonderful, creative vortex of Matt's Bachelor Band. Won't you? I am with Matt Demerit. Is that how you say it? Yeah. We're sitting in your studio here in the back of your apartment, one full block away from the beach. About a half a block. A half a block from the beach. And you've got tapestries up. You've got like uh, Indian gurus. It's kind of hippied out, like kind of, you know, part of the territory, comes with the territory. I'm a so, now somewhat closeted hippie. I used to be a little bit more out. <laughs> what what put you in the closet? Um, just hippies are annoying, man. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they can. Well, they are to me. I mean, maybe it's because I've lived here so long. So, How long have you lived here? Uh, Eighteen years. Wow. So yeah, I moved in, in this apartment. In this apartment. Yeah, yeah. That is. Fin- How did you find this place? I uh, I have a friend who was managing this building and the building uh, next door when they were both owned by this this old guy named Craig. And uh, who has since passed away, huh. and the buildings were sold to a, you know, sort of slumlordy oh, really? uh, management company. But you know, the law allows us to stay at the the rate that we were here, and and that landlord had never raised our rent, so I'm at, I'm pretty old rent, so I'm I'm kind of locked in here at a, at a lower rate, which I can't, I can't afford to move. So I'm, I'm trapped in paradise here. But, uh, yeah, so he, he was a friend of mine and he was like, we got an apartment here. You want to apply for it? And I applied for it and I got it. So now, uh, I'm also in rent control in okay. Hollywood yeah, yeah, yeah. and they are allowed to up it 3% every year. Yeah. Is that how it is here too? It's five, 5% because they pay utilities. Ooh. Yeah. It might I mean, be six, actually. It might be utilities. Is is that's pretty utilities good? Utilities is pretty big. Yeah, so I'm I'm fine with that. And you're I don't feel like you're abusing it. That means you could have no. like three air conditioners in here if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so maybe you are a little bit still a hippie. I'm well at heart, and I'm a minimalist. I'm kind of a card carrying minimalist, and you know, I I try to use one plastic cup and and not throw it away. You know, for years that type. I, you know, I, I'm sort of a little bit like that. Were you a hippie before you moved to Venice? I mean, hippie, I think it's probably a little more accurate to say that I'm more of a beatnik, culturally. 
you know, I'm a jazz musician. I, I grew up study, you know, listening to Charlie Parker and learn how to play bebop and reading Jack Kerouac. So I, I tend to differentiate hippies and beatniks culturally. And I have like a picture of a guru on my wall, you know, because I, I love esoteric spirituality. Who is this guru? This guy, I... his name was Ramana Maharshi. He, 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 uh, he died in like 1950. But I just love his books and, and, and his teachings. He's kind of like, it's always sort of like, a, it's, it's closer to Zen Buddhism than like the Hindu sort of like gushing, you know, love and light hippie thing. From what I understand about Zen Buddhism, yeah. you've, you've just given me a pop quiz here. Yeah. It's about emptiness. Yeah. And, and not in a bad way, emptiness. No, it's good emptiness. Which is, if your mind is open to anything yeah and you're you're really putting nothing n- none of your projections into the scene right then good things will happen well and and to to even you, you take it further good things already are it's just everything is already fine it's just that our minds uh, make it not fine i think it's probably a more accurate way of putting it and and also good things will happen. Well, like a Zen person might say, eh, you know, let's take away that, take that away too, and then what are you left with? You're even more free than than you realized. If you're just waiting for good things to happen, then well, that's not very realistic, is it? You know, like a good Buddhist would probably say something like a good Zen master would probably get get past that whole good thing. It's just that that's a hang up too. here in venice yeah yeah and this scene has changed a lot in 18 years since you've been here 18 years ago was what 2003 yeah oh three so just post 9 11 which i don't think affected venice when i moved to la I, i looked at places here uh which was around 97 98 and you could still find like a little studio for like 400 500 bucks how great is that and it was still kind of sketchy you know there was like a lot of gangs activity and shootings and in certain areas and and it was still a little sketchy and it didn't start to really leave that until after 9-11 i don't know if that had anything to do with 9-11 but yeah. that seemed to be the demarcation point to when it started to gentrify yeah and then that's when i mean i was living in east la at the time oh, wow. like el sereno and then the apartment just kind of fell into my lap i had to leave there because the just, it was sketchy kind of like gang kind of vibe and i didn't want to deal with that so um so this place kind of fell into my lap it's so great um so it's almost as if i just got sucked into venice at the vortex so when you get a, a almost a beachside apartment yeah for for not much money. Way below, way below what it's what it's what it's worth, yeah, yeah. and you get rent control. Yeah. A Christian would thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what does a Buddhist do? Um, do you uh, thank somebody? Yeah, I think. Well, I'm big on just gratitude. You know, gratitude as a healthy psychological practice. So you're 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 grateful to the life. universe. Yeah, sure. Life. How about life? Life's just, good. That just, works for me. 
just this nebulous or the Dow. I love I love if for me instead of God, it's just the Dow. I don't know what that is. The Dow is is um, uh, Taoism. It's a Chinese religion. Uh, So there was Confucianism and then there was Taoism. Those were the two branches of the major. And it's spelled T A O, right? Exactly. So the Tao Te Ching, you know, uh, and in the Tao, basically. It's non-theistic. There's no God. It's just the 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 Tao. Sometimes is translated as the way, or or um, and yeah. So that's how I do it. It's just like it's like thanking the Force in Star Wars, or or just the flow of life, or or the. To me, that just is more sensible and rational. I'm kind of like, if you're like kind of a card-carrying rationalist, then Christianity doesn't really work, or most religions don't really work. But Buddhism and the and Taoism. And actually, Zen Buddhism was actually basically when the really, really kind of esoteric Buddhism traveled from India to Japan. It passed through China and basically was married to Taoism. So those two philosophies kind of were married together and became Zen. And 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 in and in China, it was called Chan. So it, 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 Zen actually originated in China, originated in India, but it, it flowered in, in, in China and then finally went to Japan. So like, so when I'm thinking, my version of thanking God is thanking the Tao, you know, the flow of life. I mean, it's, to me, that's more rational. I, I can't get with some anthropomorphic God. I just, it's not rational at all. You, I don't see any, I, I, I guess there's a little percussion instrument or those flutes. Those are bamboo flutes. So, you, so I yeah. don't see any percussion. So you don't join the the drum circles. I no, I I have percussion. I have a shape. Oh, there we here. go. No, I don't do the Venice drum circle because it's just a, a little bit of cacophonous. I prefer to play with professionals if I'm going to do drum circle. But you know, I used to go down and and play for a dance, a Afro Brazilian dance class, which was all professional percussionists. Yeah, the Venice drum circle. Uh, you know, that's music therapy. It's not really what I'm. As a musician, it doesn't really do it for me. <laughs> it's good. You, you, I, I support it. You've been spoiled. <laughs> I'm spoiled from playing with world-class musicians. Right. It's hard to go and do amateur hour after I got to, I'm sorry to say. I will. You know, it's fine. It's not like it's not, it's fun to go and, actually, I'd rather go and take pictures of it, if anything. Hmm. That's my, my other hobby. That, that's like one of my hobbies. So. Well, I mean, and I'm an amateur at that. So there's no more photogenic place than yeah. Venice it's, Beach. It's kind of like street photographer's wet dream around here. You can't lose. Plus, the the, yeah. the lighting is perfect. The lighting's great. Yeah. Uh, people from all around the world. Yep. And then you got the freaks. Yep. So you you can't lose. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel like when people are on, uh, there's debate on whether or not to call this the boardwalk or not. Oh. Because. It's not really a boardwalk. It's a sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, it really is a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but I feel like when people are on the boardwalk, sidewalk. It kind of functions as a boardwalk, I guess. Oh, for sure. But they they aren't going to be uptight if you take a picture of them. Depends on who it is. Oh. Yeah. If Like, generally, the homeless people or gangsters don't like having their picture taken. <laughs> I've found out. And what the threat of my life <laughs> all right well let's talk about the homeless real quick because yeah. there's been a lot of change on, oh yeah in venice in the last little while um maybe in due maybe in due part to the sheriff 
Oh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe he just, maybe his presence alone inspired people to um, up their game a little bit as far as moving the homeless um, off of uh, off of Venice Beach. Hard to say. I, I can't really, I haven't formulated an opinion about what, what the cause was. I mean, the sense I get is that they were kind of planning on cleaning it up anyway, you know, after the pandemic started, sort of kind of wound down. Mm-hmm. And what the sheriff was doing was more about optics. You know, that that's the other side of it. You know, that's the one side of it is that the sheriff was sort of like, well, I'm going to go in there and, you know, make something happen because whoever's in charge isn't doing anything. Um, that's that's one side of the story. The other side of the story is that it was optics, you right. know, and that the sheriff came in to just look like John Wayne and look like the, he was the one fixing the problem because there's an election coming up or, or whatever. It's hard to say. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't really care as long as, as the problem gets fixed because it, it really has been like Mad Max around here. It's been lawless and... and uh, and uh, dangerous. <laughs> well, tents catching fire. Tents catching fire. It's dangerous fire. for everybody. And even a house caught on fire. Which Nearby? Was, yeah, just over by where your car's parked. <laughs> uh, a back house, like a, like a guest house. And, you know, it's believed that it was started by one of the homeless people uh, living in the park. No proof, but probably because they were having problems and confrontations and whatnot. So, uh, a lot of tent cities and which have, you know, tents on every sidewalk and all along the boardwalk. And, and then of course we already have several kind of designated skid rows and it's just been dirty and drug ridden and more crime. I had my catalytic converter stolen out from underneath my car, you know, and it was just rash of catalytic converter thefts. And, you know, it's been, it's been kind of in just sketchy. You know, I haven't felt in danger in my life or anything, but it's just been, it's like, wow, this is the old Venice in, in a way, but worse, you know, because we never had this many homeless people. Well, and it's, and it's bad for everybody because, yeah. because, um, it's bad for that for homeless and it's bad for the people who live here. And it's bad for the tourists and it's not, yeah, it's just unhealthy all, all around. So I understood that, and, and I'm probably wrong, so please correct me. Mm-hmm. I understood that, um, one of the reasons that the tents popped up here was a few years back, there was a proposal to have a place set aside for the homeless yeah. in Venice. Mm-hmm. And the oh, locals, you mean the bridge housing? Yeah, and the locals yeah. didn't want it. Well, it, the locals were kind of, most of the locals don't want bridge housing, I think, from who I've talked to. I mean, in principle, I supported bridge housing because I think it's a solution um, you know, it's part of the solution rather than part of the problem. But I also understand if you have, I have friends in the neighborhood who have kids. I mean, there's a schoolyard, there's an elementary school right here. And, uh, you know, um, if there's bridge housing, then it maybe attracts more homeless people. Although the sense I get, I'm not an expert on this cause I don't go to the, the, I don't go to the, the town meetings on this cause I just, I can't handle it. But, <laughs> but, uh, you know they can't either. A lot, a lot of the people, the neighborhood councils leave. They just can't. Ha- it's, it's just. It's chaos and it's so contentious and and like in principle, the thing is, is like okay, in Venice, I always, I've always called it the ungated community because it's like everybody else, everybody in. Come on, everybody in. You know, it's it's 
it's just a place that just culturally is okay with pretty much whoever you know it, it, it attracts misfits it's like a total island of misfit toys and just in terms of people who live in particularly this neighborhood where all the shitty apartments are you know we're all like the last of the bohos you know who are all feel like misfits and and it has this spirit of like you know a lot of our friends are homeless you know and um uh, we don't have a problem with homeless people and we don't have a problem with anybody just everybody should be allowed to exist and coexist so i love that spirit of it but then it can also have a a, a, a bit of the peter pan syndrome the never neverland syndrome and that's a problem because it's like well grow the fuck up you know i being grown up is a good thing it's 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 a good thing you know it's supposed to be you know and staying childish is is not a good th- you know it's like it's not healthy you know you want to grow up so that's usually my argument because because a lot of my, the you know, maybe some of my friends, but a lot of people in the neighborhood are like, no, I've moved here so I don't have to grow up. So, fuck you. You know, I can do whatever I want. You know, well, the fuck you, I can do whatever I want is probably one of the biggest problems we have in our entire country. You know, it's like, stop being so selfish. You know, we're part of a greater community. So there's always this weird tension between selfishness and and, and uh, selflessness in any community, in any whatever church or organization you're part of. So there's the people in the community who, who are looking at the greater good. And then there's also the people in the community. You're, you're constantly trying to balance the greater good. You know, what's best for everybody. If I have kids in this neighborhood, I definitely don't want a bunch of freaking bridge housing across the street, you know? So I get it. Um, but the bridge housing has, has been there for a couple of years now. And I have friends who live across the street. They're not thrilled with it. Oh, really? The, the yeah the, it, it's like you know it's just it, it's it's having the 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 traffic of different people homeless people going in and out of the bridge housing you know it's it's like there's just more noise and um you know and having just all all the activity going on across the street that part's not fun for people who live right there but yeah i don't know it's hard to say what's working and what's not working at this point because the pandemic hit and kind of all bets were off at that point it's like the bridge housing experiment had just started when the pandemic hit. So it's hard to really gauge at this point. Well, the thing that worried me about how Venice, um, uh, the people of Venice yeah. reacted to homelessness a couple of years ago before it really got bad. Yeah. Uh, it freaked me out because, like you said, if on this island of misfit toys... Yeah. Um, there isn't the loving spirit yeah or the welcoming spirit for a certain group yeah then where will that be in LA it's 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 you know it's like this isn't freaking Huntington Beach in Orange County you know we're not we're we're not you know that's more of the gated I mean they're not gated but they have more of that sense of you know we don't want your kind here mm-hmm. you know I hate to they're not they don't have southern accents but you know, they may as well they may as well and uh it, it, it's it, it's like we get i mean venetians get i just call us venetians i i guess that, that i don't you are. say that very, we're venetians we get grumpy <laughs> like i'm grumpy about homeless people like they make me grumpy and i'm just but in principle i still believe in their right to be here but i also don't want them put on the tent you know setting up their tent at the dog park 
I, I get it why they don't want to have like 18 homeless guys fighting each other all night right. over who smoked the last uh, bit of skunkweed. Right. And I also appreciate people who have children who don't want to have this going on in front of their kids. Uh, they want to walk along the boardwalk um, at sunset. They want to go to the to the good ice cream place with their kid. Right. And not be harassed. Right. And not see a fight and not see. I mean, I have seen people with heroin needles in their arms. Yes. I get it. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's tricky because, yeah, I don't want to see any of that. And it pisses me off and, and it and it makes me sad. And so. So it, young, so younger Tony would say, then just move to friggin Ventura, dude. Yeah, yeah. Just move. Yeah. This is Venice. It's always yeah, been yeah, like yeah. this. This is a dog town. Yeah, yeah. There's not murals of of uh of contractors on the walls there's mural of jim morrison on yeah, the wall yeah yeah <laughs> exactly. it, 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 the, the the writing is literally on the wall yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, belong yeah if you think this is a safe place for children yeah. it's not yeah yeah and i don't know if it ever has been yeah yeah so, it hasn't and, and 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 i get it you want to make it that yeah but there's also santa monica just move down there <laughs> I have another friend who lives just here on Clubhouse across the way from me who did buy one of these huge, beautiful houses. But he's one of us. You know, he loves this is what he loves about Venice is just the grit and, and the, the fucked upness part. He was a huge uh, he, he was a big uh, supporter of the Venice Freak Show when yes. it was open. And yes. then he's out there protesting when Starbucks, you know, opens, a, a, a <laughs> you know, like we all went out and. I mean, we're all Venetians in that sense of like kind of anti-corporate and, and, and sort of anti-establishment type, you know, uh, counterculture types of people, um, even if even if we do have two million dollar houses. So Re refresh, refresh everybody's memory. Starbucks wanted to open up. They did open up. They, they opened up uh, a, a store on the boardwalk where the Venice Freak Show used to be. And so like the whole neighborhood went out and just protested and said, Get your coffee. Get your coffee somewhere else. Which which was a block long storefront. Yeah. Uh, maybe elevated one one half yeah, story. Yeah. 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 And uh, the freak show was a literal freak show. It was an actual literal freak show with with like a bearded lady and you know <laughs> two headed snake and and you know which you want when you come to Venice. Yeah, it was great. That's what the tourists want. And they were all friends. They were good people. And and uh, and my my neighbor Rich was was a huge. He's a filmmaker, so um, you know he he. Uh, I think he helped did did some uh, he did some work with them as a filmmaker. Tell me about this Starbucks, and I understand because I don't even drink coffee, yeah. and, and the reason I don't like Starbucks is old school coffee shops were the greatest. Yeah, you could play there as a jazz musician. Yeah, I could read a book back in the day at, at a coffee shop without being a coffee drinker. It wasn't it. It was That's a how scene. I came up in Denver's coffee shops. You know, was. That's a jazz musician. That's so great. And so that's why I don't like the Starbucks, because yeah, it yeah, took yeah, this yeah, yeah. very unique thing about a neighborhood. Um, and, and back in the day, I mean, I sound like an old man now. Maybe I am. But back in the olden times, the neighborhoods with the cool coffee shops were cool because of the coffee shops yeah. and the record stores yeah. and maybe a head shop. Yeah. But now with a Starbucks on every corner, yeah. 
they have homogenized that one little oasis on the corner into this just generic thing. And in L.A., we've made it worse with all these drive throughs So now you have almost in-and-out style yeah. lines of, of cars waiting for their stupid coffee. Yeah, coffee shops are supposed to be a place of culture, you know, and ideas. That's how they started back in Europe, you know. Is that what you guys were protesting when the Starbucks showed up? Just, there's supposed to be no big corporate chains in Venice. Oh, says and who? Says like some neighborhood rule. <laughs> I don't fucking know what the legality of it is. Is the Ben and Jerry's okay? No, we protested that too. Was the American Apparel okay? Uh, this was. I'm I'm going back now about ten years. I don't years. think. I think the Pinkberry got. I, there was a Pinkberry on Abikini, <laughs> and maybe the American Apparel too. So no corporations. Remember. No corporations allowed in Venice. God damn it! That's. I thought you knew. You know, it was sort of like that. I'm trying you know? to think of, uh, are there, has is there a 7-Eleven around here? All, there is over on Lincoln. That's the closest to 7-Eleven. So you got to go a ways. Yeah. You I gotta like go this. To, you got to go to Lincoln to go to Whole Foods. Right. You know, there's a... Jack in the Box? Yeah. McDonald's? All, like, all that is on Lincoln. Lincoln's fine. That That's that's the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Well, we call it AWOL, anything west of Lincoln. Is off limits. I, I didn't. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, a wall. Anything west of Lincoln, that's a wall. <laughs> west of Lincoln. So Venetians know that one. A wall. Uh, what do you think about MedMen? MedMen. I'm. You know. I no. I go to Green Goddess, man, because that's like closer. It's cheaper. It's more the spirit of Venice. MedMen is like cor- this corporate. It's more expensive, and you. Uh, yeah. No. Fuck MedMen, man. <laughs> I'm going to hit the green goddess. Uh, you were here before Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Snapchat. Thank God. We're all so happy they're gone. Are they gone? Yeah, they, they finally moved. Because they did own that building that the... Uh, that the... The, um, the MTV building? No, the... the uh, I think what happened was... The goggles? The goggles are owned by uh, Google, No, right? but the, 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 uh, the goggles are, are... That's Google. You know... Google, the binoculars. They've all... Or, yeah, the, 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 the Gary building. Yeah. So, Google, you know, in principle, we're supposed to hate Google, but they've kept to themselves, and they've maintained a, a respect for, the, for, the, for their boundaries... A, mainly their boundaries. They just stay in the same spot. And also, they sort of are down with the, like, they're they're like, no, we're not going to make all those campers across the street leave. You know, we're going to let them stay because we feel like that's more, uh, you know, in in line with the spirit of the neighborhood. So, you know, Google w- was, was founded by a bunch of freaks, any, you know, who probably... Who knew they got lucky. They knew they got lucky. So... Uh, but Snapchat and they were just downright obnoxious and, and they just they and they started in Venice. So they were an actual Venice upstart. I think I forget where the first building was. And then they got they got really successful and they just started buying up buildings all over the neighborhood and shuttling their employees around the neighborhood as if the entire neighborhood was their own personal corporate campus. And it was just obnoxious and the whole neighborhood hated it. We just what, hated what should them. they have done instead? What's that? What, what, it, they should have done what Google did and just f- find one headquarters and stay there and, and you know. And, but, and But they're growing. 
Uh, Should they have just moved to Culver City and gotten a That's a, what a they finally did. They mm-hmm. finally moved, I think, over to and got like a big corporate headquarters where they could just be in one spot because they knew that the neighborhood hated them for one. But I don't think that's why they en- ended up doing it. Um, you know, their whole thing was just like, fuck you, we can do whatever the hell we want, which is kind of part of the spirit of Venice, too, you know, so. But, um, uh, yeah, they, they it was pretty obnoxious. They just made the whole neighborhood into their corporate campus and and had their own security riding around on bicycles all over the place. And they were assholes. Uh, frankly, I had a couple run ins, you know, um, and so you're uh, glad to see him go. You, you, yeah, I'm glad. Did you notice a difference when they left? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was just nice to not have all those mountain bike security people all over the place basically and to just and then all of their employees were just just all these like you know uh you know and i don't have a problem with with tech workers and and you know programmers (laughs) (laughs) that's another word i heard instead of tech bros or programmers man but um it's fine, you know. They're, they're not they're not dicks or anything. I mean, they're just right. They're just people who have jobs, mm-hmm. and it's cool, you know. I, I, I mean, they're driving the rents into astronomical places, and that that exacerbates the homeless problem. But you know, that's not their fault. That's just the culture that happened in the Bay Area. Be- because let's let's pretend you move out of this place, yeah, and uh, and I'm the landlord, yeah. I um. I remodel this, although I don't know if I'd even remodel this that much. Nah, this one's this actually, is so this nice. Is kind of like has has this vibe to it that 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 was kind of you know it's kind of. Nice. And, and you've taken care of it. I mean, these yeah. hardwood floors are fine. Well, I had these put in because the uh, uh, the uh, um, the the ceiling was leaking so often. Oh, that I was just like, you know what? You better put in some laminate flooring. It's not even hardwood. Oh. It's just like waterproof laminate. It still looks nice, and the carpet, looks good. the carpet looks nice. Yeah, it's fine. I wouldn't mind. That carpet's pretty old, though. I wouldn't mind. But but if out. I was the landlord, yeah. and Snapchat was still here, yeah, I would I would make it all real hardwood floors, yeah, and um, I'd keep that tub. You've got a real tub in the there. The tub is the selling point, man. It's awesome. It's a real clawfoot tub you could you could probably jack this up to like three grand right almost i would say maybe 25 25 grand. 25 to or 2500 bucks yeah yeah um you can shake them down a little bit with a security deposit yeah make them pay first month rent yeah. and last month rent <laughs> uh not gonna pay electricity for a, a tech yeah. bro yeah yeah i mean because they're gonna have computers everywhere yeah but but this this uh studio that you have is the perfect place for a guy who works at snapchat um who doesn't want to come in the office very yeah. often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Ted Templeman's book, um, he was saying, I mean, this is a guy who's produced um, the Doobie Brothers yeah. to huge success. Yeah, uh, he's a musician on his own right. In fact, uh, it just came out that he did the drums for the Wayne's World drum solo when, really? when Garth is is, is at a guitar a, store. Oh, that's, that's actually that, Ted. That's a, yeah. But Ted's argument was home studios are no good. Yeah, because you need the pressure of the clock 
of yeah. the deadline. Yeah, no, that you're I get spending that. all this money at capital. Yeah. And so you got to get it together. That's part of the equation. You know, when when you have all of these different factors that are that are, you know, that are factored in to, to the big equation, that's a big part of it is the pressure, you know, of paying for this fancy studio. Um, that's not all of it, but that's a big part of it. And yes, you know, I found that to be true myself in terms of like finishing my record, which I finished here, but I had a studio that I rented out for five days and I had all this pressure to, okay, we got to just strike while the iron's hot. And you create this kind of pressure cooker, this boiling cauldron of, 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 of energy, you know, and then you feed off of that energy and get good performances out of it. It's harder to get good performances when you have nothing but time on your hands. Right. You know, but what I will say is, 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 the writing process, actually, I think, for me, the writing process is hindered by that pressure. So I don't like writing in the studio. I like writing in my little cubby here and taking all the time I need. You know, my record, I spent a year, I gave myself a year of just writing, coming up with material. And then I take all that material and I write it down and I make the charts and I make little demos and I... Then I, we go into the studio, I hire all my friends, all my best musicians I can find and who will want to do it. And then we have a time limit in the studio. Everybody's getting paid and uh, we have a time limit uh, where we have to strike while, while the iron's hot. So I think that's really, I agree, you know, that, that it's harder to make a record in the home studio. But then... There's always exceptions. I mean, I love Billie Eilish and Phineas, and that was all, that couldn't have been done anywhere else but with no time limit in their house in Phineas's bedroom. Do you because think that's, that's the way they work. That's their creative process. And they can't work in the studio. They hate studios from what I've, well, I don't think they hate studios, but but uh, they their creative process is based on having nothing but time on their hands and 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 they spend a lot of t- the reason their shit's so good is because they work a l- they they log the hours yeah. they they do it they do it over and over until it's right so they don't have the pressure of the studio just like okay well it's good enough we got the we got the vibey take now they'll do t- 50 takes so where they not only do they have the vibey take but it's also the pitch perfect you can only do so like I'm, I'm never ever gonna to become. I'm never ever gonna make a blanket statement and say, yeah, no, no, you can't do that without a studio. talk about um, music as a child and parents of children. I feel so blessed that my parents, both of them, encouraged me to pick up the saxophone at a young age. And oh, did you play saxophone yeah. at a young age? Really? I didn't yeah. know that about you. They, they asked us in school. I mean, again, this is privilege. And this is also a different era when music was supported in public schools yeah. a great deal. Um, I mean, my mom still had to buy it, but... Yeah. I mean, that's what happened with me. But I feel like it was kind of subsidized. For sure, the teaching certainly encouraged was free. Yeah, the, the classes the, were free. Like, yeah, and this I went to a public school in Denver, which was really strong public schools at the time. I don't know if it's still the case, but 
But at the time, we had good public schools in Denver in the 70s. And when you hit the fourth grade, you can learn an instrument if you want. You know, two days a week, you go to band, you get out of class and you go to band and you learn an instrument. And, uh, and I think, and I wanted to play the saxophone from the, from the get-go. And I think my only reference to the saxophone at that point was Richie Cunningham had played it in one episode of what? Happy Days. One episode of Happy Days. I don't even remember that but episode. But you remember Happy Days being like, like the Fonz was the most famous person on the planet. Sure. Like, so that's the 70s, you know, growing up. So Happy Days was my reference to the saxophone. One episode, Richie Cunningham like ripped a saxophone solo. And and then also the Muppets, <laughs> Zoot from the Muppets. Oh, seem to think maybe he was really why I dug the saxophone was Zeke from the Muppets. Let me ask you a question that I don't mean to insult you with. Yeah. If I could play the saxophone. Yeah. Well. Uh-huh. And I lived a half a block from Venice Beach. Yeah. I would play for the tourists. Oh, no, that's not insulting at all. Is there money to be made if you're a good a saxophone player? Yeah. B- busking? I mean... Because I'd imagine a guy like you might be even be able to take requests. Yeah, not so much. Okay, well, let's pretend you could, though. Yeah. Um, and you could wow the tourists. Yeah, usually people, when they see saxophone, they want to hear take five. So I guess I could play, let's play take five. Can you play court. take five for me right now? Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> So that so that's why you don't want to busk for the for the Venice Beach tours. It's like I'm not really a jukebox kind of guy at all. <laughs> like I don't practice enough to be a jukebox. But but also I do go out and busk a little. My friend Vinny uh, Vinny Caggiano, who's probably the best, um, you know, in terms of guys who are out there uh, busking on the street, playing out on the street in the boardwalk. He's, you know, he's the best musician out there. What I does think. he play? He plays guitar. And he loops, so he'll make loops and then play along with the loops that he makes. But he's a he's a good friend of mine, and he he's out there a lot busking, in, and so I'll go out and busk with him, and 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 uh, and we'll play like, but we we have like our own little repertoire that, of stuff that we do. Can you guys get money? Yeah, but there's not big money in busking. Could not you make at all. Could you make fifty bucks each in, in an afternoon? In an, I've never. I've never made 50 bucks busking. So you can't make money then. To me, that's money. 50 bucks? I've never made... I know Vinny. I think Vinny does that. I think he can go out and make 50 bucks busking in the afternoon. play something off of your new cd uh sure um what's it what's the cd called the cd okay so my cd my pandemic record it's actually my first cd uh after years and years of being a sideman i decided it was time to make a cd so it's called fool's journey um and basically it was kind of like i i i'm 
it, it's a, sort of this hippy dippy uh, sort of idea from the tarot, uh, the uh, the the archetype of the fool taking the fool's journey is what the the tarot isn't, is based isn't on. The uh, the fool in the tarot card is he's he's stepping off a cliff, right? Yeah, he's so, and that's so. Yeah. Oh, you got it right there. Now, yeah, oh, exactly. and, and wow, this looks like a Vincent Van Gogh background. So I stole Vincent's Starry Night and then grafted myself onto, I created a little cliff out of the cypress tree. I turned it, I did Photoshop, and, uh, and I'm stepping off the cliff, playing the saxophone obliviously and quixotically. Now, the, when the fool is doing this on the tarot card, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? No. So he embodies each archetype of the tarot. Now, track three here yeah. is Venice Lullaby. Ah, uh, yes. And here we are in Venice talking about Venice. Yeah. Do you want to play a little of Venice Lullaby? Sure. Although I think uh, I did uh, that on... I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, yeah. If I can remember it. How dare I ask a request from the man who wrote the yeah. song? people get your cd does this also come out on uh, vinyl i haven't pressed vinyl yet maybe in the future i will but okay. it's just too expensive to press it vinyl. plus it's a double album so that's more expensive for the vinyl i don't but even have a record player so the, the best way to support me as an artist is to go and find it on Bandcamp. okay and buy it on Bandcamp. matt demerit fool's journey on Bandcamp. but you can find it on all platforms Matt, thank you so much for for being uh, for playing music for me first of all. Yeah, because that's a priceless thing, yeah. and I do appreciate that. Cool. But thanks for spending a couple hours with me today. It was my pleasure. All right. I love this shit. Well, thank you. Yeah, man, it's fun. This is this is. And thank you for recording this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pulling <laughs> engineer duty. Thank you, Matt. Certainly. Oh my God, wasn't that good? You know what else is good? Our Patreons warm our hearts. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, how about a bacon-wrapped hot dog? Here's two tickets to paradise. Here's $600 to help pay your rent. Mom! Every dollar you flow our way goes right back into what you're hearing now and helps us keep this insane project rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, and Barney Grinkley. Want to 
want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We're also starting a new thing. You've heard of angel investors. Those are people who get in early to stoke a new venture. Well, this is a new venture. We're calling our angel investors angelinos. Mm-hmm. To be an angelino, all you have to do is PayPal us $25 or more, and we will list you in the Here in LA website forever. You'll also be given a number to denote how early you got in to make this dream come alive. Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two, George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and the man who invented sunsets, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. We usually put out new episodes whenever Jordan thinks it's right. And we also have a corresponding blog that goes with each and every interview. And it can be found at hereinla.com. I spent a lot of time on those blog posts, so please, please, please read. And if you read it, leave a comment. Tell me I look handsome. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo. Jen Adams for inspiring me to do this in Kim and Oz's backyard. Jordan for hooking us up with Matt, his buddy. And everyone who voted to keep rent control in place. Speaking of, don't forget forget to to vote. vote.